I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You're gonna join in with the crowd and spontaneously start singing his name with 30,000 people you don't know, but you're also gonna get absolutely irrational anger whenever that same child in essence makes a mistake and we're gonna call him a cunt for that one mistake that he made and it's okay it's grand because the biggest distinguishing feature between professional footballers and people who just don't quite make it is their mentality they're absolute monsters they understand that we're fucking morons they're blocking us out they're not listening to us and they're going out onto the pitch every day and performing this is paul mcgrath you're listening to the villa podcast that morning sky gave me a look so i left while you were sleeping that's all it took I'm going to try to remember throughout this podcast that we were playing the European champions and not just a flash in the pan European champions good bloody team good manager well set up annoyingly set up you know how often do 25 minutes against Chelsea just fly by with nothing happening and I'm going to try to remember that a lot of the squad have been ravaged with Covid the manager wasn't there and I'm going to try and bear that in mind as we go and try to dissect a 3-1 defeat, which we were 1-0 up in. Merry Christmas. Welcome back. At least we have some games to talk about. Um, Liam, what did you make of that? Good first half, bad second half seems to be the general consensus. Yeah, I mean, the good first half, though, was Chelsea having the ball and not really creating much, but also Villa just not having the ball and a couple of through balls, balls over the top. That was about it. That was the height of our good first half. It was us being fairly solid. Chelsea being fairly timid because they had no forwards on the pitch and then us kicking the ball long. What was the Pulisic thing about up front? Is that just complete disrespect to Ezra Konza who was having a field day just nicking balls off boys up top? Well, like, what is the thinking behind that? Because Sky, unbelievably, like, they, they seem to think that it was a mastermind bringing Lukaku off the bench. <laughs> They're bringing their, their record ever signing off the bench and they would not give over about what a what a trick up Tuchel's sleeve this was. Where did he pull this from? 
It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's pathetic. But Sky were at that all game. They were at it all day. They were absolutely loving the narrative around Chelsea. It was just, oh, here we go. It's Chelsea. Can't Chelsea can maintain their title challenge? Can't Chelsea get back on track? Even after the fucking Villa goal, the camera was on James for fucking <laughs> 20 seconds. You didn't see any Villa players celebrating. The camera just honed in on James's disconsolate face. It was absolutely disgraceful. <laughs> It, that was unbelievable. I'm really glad you brought that up because what was that about? Like that, that, that was so jarring and and so out of kilter with what normally happens. Even you know, even when the team that they don't want to score scores, they still have the good grace to show that team celebrating. But <laughs> it actually got to the stage where people people were wondering what's going on. Like, was this is this goal being disallowed? Is it like, what, is, is it going to be ruled out? Did something else happen that we're not aware of? Because it just continued to show. Reese James walking down the pitch like it was a strange decision. Yeah, and it was such a freak goal as well. It's not like he did anything particularly that bad. He tried to head the ball clear and he completely fucked it up. But the camera, you could even see, obviously the director was in the cameraman's head because the cameraman was going to the Villa players and then he has to change last second and swerve towards James. It was fucking mental stuff. Well, let's get into the goals. You've mentioned that one already. The it was a Matt Target cross. Like, I would say it's a nice ball. It's a, it's a lovely whip that's going into a nice area. But there's only one Villa player in the box. Can you tell me who that Villa player in the box was? Yeah, of course I fucking can because it was so unbelievably annoying. I mean, it, it was an absolute freak occurrence that it's barely worth analysing. It was such a strange goal because in the video analysis, and you've just touched on it there, the sessions, they'll be showing this goal as an example of how not to score a goal. I mean, Villa slowed the game down twice, once on each wing, having failed to get anyone in the box. And when the ball was on the left, we had Matty fucking Cash bursting past Buendia and Ings to give us someone that isn't just hanging around the periphery, watching the game of football they're supposed to be involved in. Buendia farting around on the D because I assume there was a bit of space there so he can exploit it to flick a pass to nobody. Ings hiding around the back post, terrified that he might find himself in a position where he'll have to fucking shoot. Jacob Ramsey <laughs> turns a nice ball around the corner to Watkins, and Watkins does the right thing. He rolls it back to target. And then they're so used to target hitting the first man with the cross that they hang around the side of the box, ready to pick up the loose ball after it hits off James's shins. But it doesn't. Target does under hit the cross, of course. And then the England International, and that's the very important part of the story. Sorry, that is the story, according to Sky Sports cameraman and the director. England International, James, scores a screamer of a header. And it's fucking pathetic from Spaghetti Fingers Mendy, who has exhausted <laughs> so much energy trying to execute an aesthetically perfect leap towards the ball that he's forgot to fucking save the thing. <laughs> Emmy Martinez takes a step back there and catches it. <laughs> Mandy tries to tr- tries to keep it going, like trying to keep a ball in there, like a basketball sort of spin. Tries to back it. <laughs> it does very well. It's just giving it a bit more backspin to go into the net. Like it's 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 apt that you mention all those boys around the box. Like Danny Ings was the worst of it, I think, because he was out in the right wing. He wasn't even there. He was the back post. He was outside the box on the right wing. Like, Get in! But we had just been speaking about. The, the Crystal Palace goal from, from last Boxing Day, the one that El Ghazi just spanks into the top corner <laughs> when we were all, don't you, oh, want to go. Um, but but we, you and I were both commenting on that fact that Grealish, once again, is hanging around the outside. He plays a lovely pass to Watkins, like he did all season. Watkins takes a bad touch. Grealish throws his arms in there, hands in there, and he throws his neck back and 
the worst about it all, it's not the petulance, it's that he doesn't break his neck to get into the scoring position. And, and that's like that's his weak point of his game, and, and it has been for a while. It's just not not having that. I don't know if it's a desire, if it's a game sense. Like just get back in. Like you played the ball, get back in in case something else does happen. And we're seeing it from the rest of the Villa players now in his absence. Yeah, it's, it's the killer instinct to get into the box. You have to just keep running into the box over and over again if you want to get goals and get easy goals. I mean, all those players we mentioned, they're all ball players. Well, apart from Ings, this is why it's so confusing why Ings didn't get in. They all like to play football, the rest of them, though. So they all like to hang out where the space is. They all like to get free so they can play that football. But they're all going to pick up the football in space and have no one to fucking pass it to because none of the rest of them have run into the fucking box. <laughs> The second goal, Chelsea's first, the equaliser. Um, Villa gives the ball away, which is annoying. Chelsea counter-attack, Matt Cash puts in a great block on hudson Adoy. Villa gives the ball away again, which is even more annoying. Chelsea counter-attack. <laughs> Matt Cash, you know, Matt Rash, we should call him. Like, you know, that <laughs> penalty that he gave away on hudson Adoy. You know, forget about it. Like, he, we, we thought that he couldn't see him coming, but even then... It was a bad decision. But then you look in the replay and he does see him there. It's just a bad decision from Matt Cash. and he, uh, it's, There's no arguments. Like it's a stupid penalty to give away. Maybe we got a soft goal and they got a really soft goal as well. Yeah, it's pathetic from Matty Car Crash or some shit. And he was, like, he, <laughs> he's given away far too many daft penalties. And, and we could all see this one developing. And I'm sure we all roared like I did no because we could all see it. <laughs> developing for what seemed like an eternity I mean time stretches into affinity in the last moments before death and that's what this seemed like it was so daft it was blood boiling stuff but the most frustrating thing and this this really tells you how bad this is the most frustrating thing about this goal was Emiliano Martinez diving early for a Jorginho penalty I mean if you've introduced <laughs> a fine of a week's wages for fullbacks over hitting crosses what are we saying the fine is for going early in our Jorginho penalty. <laughs> but you know what's interesting? I, I think you're right, and it's definitely something that people, like every keeper should be aware of, but the second time he doesn't, he waits, and then he goes the right way, but it's just tucked in the corner. I feel like he hasn't given himself enough time to get across then, because, well, maybe that's it, just forcing to put it into the corner. But yeah, he waited, Whoa. and he could, couldn't get it because of that. No, 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 no. The second one, Martin, as he, yeah, he waits this time, and I think he should save it. I mean, it's not a good penalty. It's a yard from the post, and it's bending towards the keeper. But, like, whatever. Pen- penalties are normally scored, but the annoying thing about Jorginho penalties is that they're always saveable. Because when you land in front of the ball, you can't connect with it with yeah. any sort of power anymore. And he's, he doesn't have the angle that he would have or the conviction to put it in either side because he's waiting to pick a side. So he's not just going up with his body shaped to put it on one side, all of Jorginho's penalties are savable. Okay, week's wages for Emmy Martinez, I will accept. 2-1, Chelsea. One of these ones as well that you saw coming, like, you know, like the Matt Cash foul. Callum hudson Odoi gets it onto his right foot, you know it's going to be an in-swinger, and the way the run of Lukaku develops, you just see it happening, and we all watch it back, and Mings is just sort of, guided him in front of him like, you know, presented the alleyway for Lukaku to run in front and flick the ball past he doesn't put on a challenge, he doesn't jump he lets Lukaku like a man mountain of a man get up and it's a nice finish of his head but like it's so easy, it's bread and butter stuff for any striker yeah it's a good cross and it has a very good flick of his head from 
from Lukaku, but like, what is Tyrone doing? I mean, this is classic Mings, where he's just getting involved with his man instead of playing the game that's in front of him. And the really yeah. annoying thing is, if he attacks that ball, he'll get a lot more on his man, a lot more than whatever it was he was trying to do. Fucking sidling up to him like a creep in a nightclub. Attack the ball, not the man. And we've seen this performance so often. We saw it against Lukaku earlier this year. We saw it that time he made Jolington look like 1998 Ronaldo. Following Jolington into right wing back just to get a bit of contact on him. Like a creep in a nightclub. (laughs) This was a good game to really show off. Uh, The best and the the worst. Yeah, it is the worst of Tyrone Mings. Because twice, you're talking about attacking the ball. Twice in the first half, Mings attacked the ball so much. That it went at least 30, 40 metres away after he headed it. Like, I've never seen somebody head the ball with so much power and conviction. If you tell Tyrone Mings to defend this area, Tyrone Mings is one of the best defenders in the league at doing it. Like, he, he's aggressive, he's strong, he makes the right decisions. As soon as you introduce another element, like a striker, somebody to man mark, <laughs> he seems to forget everything else. And then he gets so consumed with the idea of man marking that... He, he just foregoes all the other stuff that he knows and all the other stuff that he's good at. Like, that's the example there. Like, I know Lukaku's a brilliant player, but Tyrone Mings eats those balls up most of the time. If that was anybody else, Mings just jumps over the top of them, leaves him on the dirt, heads the ball clear, and, and, and comes through them. But because it's Lukaku, he's respecting him too much. He stands back. He's just making sure he's got contact, which means nothing when Lukaku can just go up and head it in from six yards. Yeah, I mean, like, we've seen it before, Tyrone... Tyrone Mings' neck muscles are absolutely incredible. But he's just thinking about the man too much. He's thinking about beating Lukaku rather than just going out and playing the game of football, which will result in him beating Lukaku. It's insane stuff. Like, he didn't even jump for that header. He just kind of walked towards Lukaku and turned his arse. He probably actually helped Lukaku by spinning him so Lukaku could flip the ball more comfortably. (laughs) And the third goal, almost there, almost there. Um... It's an all penalty, but it's a breakaway. I think Chuck Wemmer gives the ball away at the edge of the box. At that stage, like, it doesn't really matter. We were looking for somebody to show a bit of creativity, take on somebody, take a shot. Um, he got caught on a Chelsea break, but like, you know, it wasn't a, a mistake or a stupid decision from Chuck Wemmer that warranted a clear goal, but the way Matt Target defended Lukaku coming through did warrant that. Um Target helps the khaki on his way. Kanza is left <laughs> on his own, has to bring him down. And uh, and that's it. It's 3-1, game over. Yeah, and like it's it's utterly pathetic from Target tickling the khaki's back and Kanza he has to put on a last ditch tackle. I mean he should probably understand that Lukaku is going to cheat and run across him, and Kanza should change the angle of his slide to only block off the shot, the corridor that Lukaku can shoot towards. But like that's nitpicking. Lukaku has just burst through the pitch, and normally that results in a goal. Yeah, and it did. And it's another one of those ones. You know, I I understand the three of the defeats of these last six games were against Liverpool, Chelsea, City, the three best teams in the league by a mile. Um, but three of them that felt like we weren't really in it. Um, and I would like to see a bit more fight or a bit. Maybe that's the wrong word to use, but I would just like to see us in the game a bit more for these matches and like you think that we can mix a hundred. I think the City one was the one we gave our best account for, but do you know what? If I'm Steven Gerrard, I know what he's probably thinking. 
you know, the City game was two mistakes that left us 2-0 down and we played brilliantly in the first half. The Liverpool game, it was 0-0 for how long and then we gave away that penalty, which was the the winning of the game, 1-0. And then today, um, two penalties and that's that's the winning of the game, 3-1. So I'd say it's hard for the manager to actually think, you know what, we did anything wrong there. No, we didn't do anything wrong, but I don't think we did particularly anything right either. I mean, we defended courageously and we were very tight, but like, sure, anybody can do that. Any Premier League team can set up to be tight against the big boys. You need to, the next step is to have an attacking game plan against them. How are we going to beat them? And City is the only game where we showed that and we showed it in the second half against City. But City are a lot easier to get at. If you can get the ball against City, then you can get at them a lot easier. The first step yeah. is normally the problem. Yeah, and we'll talk a bit more about how we try to get at them later on. We'll get to WhatsApp wages right now. See you there. First WhatsApp wings. Danny Cutback Ings, that's what I call him. <laughs> oh, Christ almighty. I mean, there was a moment in the first 10 minutes where Buendia played a first-time ball. Fair enough, it went behind Ings, but... I'd like my centre-forward to be able to turn. It's actually something I'm quite specific about. I mean, Ings made the right run, and Mundia tries to find it, and he doesn't. But what are we doing now? Are we pretending it didn't happen? The real reason became very fucking clear as the game went on. I mean, if Ings does go and collect the pass, he's going to end up on his left foot. And we all know he has no fucking interest in that. I mean, heaven forbid a centre-forward be comfortable putting his laces through it on his bad foot. Fucking hell. It was actually astounding how little interest he had in taking the easy option of shifting it left and spanking it. Because I'll let you in on a little secret. Getting a shot off of your bad foot is better than not getting off one with your good foot. And time and time again, he was just turning in to a forest of limbs and desperately trying to hack his way through. Turn around, Danny, you're fucking lost. And you know what? Actually, impressively burrowing his way back out of all those bodies that he's introduced into the game that were, weren't in the game. They were taken out of it with a pass and he showed so much skill and bravery to dance back around him and get back out outside the box and let, let eight Chelsea players come between him and the ball. It was a frustrating sight. I think it happened three really clear times. Twice you're talking about like he, he should have just went through and shot and he tried to cut back. One time he got blocked, one time he just lost it. Um, and another time late on, he, j- he just seemed emerged from the sea of bodies. He, he ended up running back out towards the, like, what, thir- 20, 30 metres out from his own goal when he was the striker in the box. It was a, uh, it sort of just feeds back into that thing that we're talking about. Like, you know, can we get the best out of Danny Ings? Everybody's always wondering, is this Ings and Watkins thing going to work? I saw somebody tweeting saying that they should be locked in a room for a week together. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything fresh to say on it. Like it, it takes away from Watkins, who was still brilliant, even though he was wasn't the furthest man forward. Like his hold up play and stuff like that was still sensational. But it takes away from him, and we're not getting much out of Ings anyway. I'm not saying give up on him. I'm just saying you have two strikers. One of them's better than the other. Play yeah. him for now. Play him absolutely. for now, and if Ings works his way back in, great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, about 15 minutes into the game, we could see that Watkins and Ings wasn't. And wasn't going to work. I mean, we we knew this about fifteen minutes into the season, if we're being honest, and we were we were definitely limited in the players we could use to fill that position today. But we weren't we weren't playing our best centre forward, and we weren't playing our best winger or number ten option. And Watkins in that position certainly 
doesn't work against a team like Chelsea. I mean, we needed someone who could also play in midfield as well. And if we couldn't push Ramsey up because McGinn and Nakamba are right, and if we couldn't play Young up there, then we should have looked for a different way to play because we can't play with Watkins and Ings in the same team. Yeah. Yeah, look, that was a, another just bad few things to see from him, just trying to get back out on his right and, and losing the chance because of it. We'll keep an eye on it, but hopefully hopefully we can just keep an eye on one of them from now on, one at a time. <laughs> I'm very happy with that. <laughs> Two good options. Let's enjoy having that embarrassment of riches instead of spreading ourselves thin and making ourselves worse in, in the process. Second WhatsApp winge, just let the Super League happen and tell these boys to fuck off. The gap is too big. Fed up of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd rather just be farting around the league against Arsenal Spurs. Oh, no, wait. Arsenal Spurs were in the Super League, weren't they? <laughs> well, like, you know, I mean, a, a realistic Super League. Like, Arsenal <laughs> and Spurs would, would obviously stay in the league. That would be a good league then to try and win. Yeah, exactly. And then, that, you know, that would be a big field of teams in and around the same level. Spurs, ourselves, Arsenal. And then finally, Aston Villa would have an option. But, like, it is ridiculous when it... You think about how good that Chelsea team is, and you're looking at it thinking, you know, how can we, how can we get around this? I mean, our midfield looks pretty good. It's annoying that the camera and McGinn have been torn out of it, but we're really excited to see this guy Sanson. Doggy's been flying. Jacob Ramsey's the future, and then you're just playing against Kovac, or you're playing against Kante and Jorginho, and they're bringing on Kovacic. Fuck off. Oh yeah, and look, sure, look, they were, you know, they were bringing on Kovacic. That's a, that's an easy one, but. But Thomas Tuchel brought on Lukaku as well out of nowhere. Like so, that was a great decision. From him. <laughs> it, it's not like you know, it's it's all there in front of him. Like it, it's good managers as well that's making these decisions too. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it's just watching Liverpool, City, Chelsea, and just feeling like you know coming away from them right not being happy with the results. Like Villa have won the other three games, like you know, three big results as well. But um. Ah, just coming away feeling like uh, I can't even be that upset. Like, yeah, there's a few things we're going to talk about and, you know, mistakes and frustrations and things like that. But it's always just lined with the reality. Like, ah, these boys are too good. Everything has to go right. Everything has to go right. Yeah, and that, but that's obviously the excitement of why we watch, continue to watch football games because everything can go right in any given day. But you're right, it, like it, it's so difficult. You, you have to have every player on it and you have to have one or two Chelsea players not on it. And the start of that game, we're like, oh, Jesus, Rhys James is having a bit of a nightmare here today. He's the, even before he scored the OG, he was overhitting crosses. He was underhitting crosses. He kicked a pass straight into the straight over the end line. You're like, geez, maybe that's the angle we can get in there because we've got Jacob Ramsey and Watkins on that side. Maybe, maybe this is our route to victory today, but sure, didn't happen, Conan, did it? <laughs> but there was a period I think I said to you like, why, why don't Sanson and Ramsey and Cash just run at them because every time they did run at them they seemed to be just beating men and then all it took was one pass to play Danny Ings through before he cut back but you know it, was, <laughs> <laughs> it, it looked very easy at times because it's like just one pass through but in fairness we didn't create that many big chances like, and we'll, we'll see that in the Rossenthal award as well yeah, and then look, it was it was very important to have that ability to run through them, and it was incredible that we had those three midfielders who could do that on the pitch today. I mean, Douglas Louise is an incredible dribbler. All of a sudden, it's absolutely insane. <laughs> Sanson likes to carry the ball, and John McGinn then as well wasn't there either. I mean, Villa do have good options in that regard because Chelsea are really good at blocking off passing angles, especially when you got fucking Canty on the pitch. And the best route was yeah. for us just to to 
create the imbalance by beating the man, and it worked up until the point where we had to pass it to one of our forwards. <laughs> yeah, drop the shoulder and beat the man. We have better midfielders and most people to do that. Let, let's let's let the hair down a bit more and let them off the leash and, and do it. In fairness, we are doing it, so it's good to see. <laughs> um, third WhatsApp wins. I never thought I'd say this, but football Twitter is annoying me now. <laughs> People need to calm down. Like, has no one ever watched a football game and heard someone complain during the match before? So, what's happening now? Like, look, I'm aware. Like, I just need to get off Twitter if I'm the one being annoyed by it. But, um, you know, like, you know, Matt Cash makes that tackle penalty. Bad tackle, we're talking about it. We love Matt Cash. I don't know why we have to qualify this all the time, but <laughs> but what happens then is, you know, all these accounts then come out. I can't believe what I'm seeing about Matt Cash. The disrespect. People saying that Matt Cash needs to get in the bin or whatever. And you know, it, again <laughs> if someone's saying that, like, you know, forget about them. Don't don't talk to them. Like we've got enough evidence to suggest Matt Cash has been brilliant for Villa going forward and defending. Um, and number two, you know, it's just it's just a like, well. Number two was a bad mistake. <laughs> it was a bad tackle. So we can just say like that's what happens. We watch football and then we comment on it. We know that we're not better than Matt Cash. And then like, <laughs> what happens then? What happens off the back of that then is that like yeah, we get these uh, extreme versions of the other side then of how Matt Cash was actually man of the match and you know and all yeah. these stats that show off how great he was. We don't need it. Matt Cash is a great player. We should just be comfortable enough to be able to point out to somebody give away a penalty that he didn't need to give away he knew it himself didn't protest put his hands on his head apologize like we're all big boys here like let's just watch football and relax everybody just enjoy it <laughs> well exactly and everybody just enjoyed it and that's the fans i mean we all agreed during lockdown the football was shit without fans we all know that football is absolutely reliant on fans Football clubs aren't that big of businesses. Yeah. The revenue isn't that big. It's all about fans and their mad, wild passion. And if you want passion, like I've said before, it's not asymmetrical. You're getting both sides of it. You're getting absolute utter elation when a 19-year-old who was brought through the ranks scores a goal. Even if it hits off his shin and ricochets in, you're going to love this guy for no reason. You're going to join in with the crowd and spontaneously start singing his name with 30,000 people you don't know. But you're also going to get absolutely irrational anger whenever that same child in essence makes a mistake and we're gonna call him a cunt for that one mistake that he made and it's okay it's grand because the biggest distinguishing feature between professional footballers and people who just don't quite make it is their mentality they're absolute monsters they understand that we're fucking morons they're blocking us out they're not listening to us and they're going out onto the pitch every day and performing think about this even they're not on Twitter anyway. They're not listening. They don't know who I am. They're not listening to this podcast. It's grand. But also think about this: the reason why it's not important at all. They're playing a football match in front of forty-five thousand people, and they're not fucking it up. Imagine you or I trying to do that. These guys are a completely different breed. It's fine. Well, my granny could have made that tackle and not fight him. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's it. Like it's it's drama. This is this is what it's all about. Like this is what we watch for. This is all about. Not. 
not not to call people cunts like you know exclusively but just to enjoy the magic of it and and get annoyed by it and like yeah just knowing that this isn't really that important in the grand scheme of things but it is like you know so it's the last time i'm going to say that because it is fucking important make the tackle don't give away the penalty <laughs> but you're right it is a drama and if you were to look at the list of characters at the start in the first page of that drama under fans it would give you a little description of them, and it would say irrational morons that's what they would be calling us that's our role in the drama in this play yeah just don't at them on twitter that's it that's how we all win just <laughs> Um, anyway, see the awards categories. Good evening. I wanted to speak directly to our supporters to confirm the transfer of our captain, Jack Greenlish. And now we've been gutted. Organ donors for the rich. Boston's taking our kidneys. Yankees are taking our heart. And to explain the background to this move. It's an unfair game. We offered Jack a new contract to stay at the club. Like this is business as usual. It's not. We agreed to incorporate a so-called release clause into his contract. Billy, that's trouble. Billy, if I may, uh, he certainly has had his problems off the field. Jack finally decided that he would like to go to City. We're trying to solve the problem here, Billy. Not like this, you're not. You're not even looking at the problem. We have planned accordingly got to think differently. It was never our intention to replace Jack with one footballer. Guys, we're still trying to replace Gian. I told you we can't do it. We can't do it. Our strategy was to analyze and break down Jack's key attributes. Now, what we might be able to do is recreate him. Recreate him in the aggregate. What? A what? His creativity his assists, his goals. That's what we're looking for. And to find these qualities and others in three forward players. Three ball players, three ball players. And in doing so, have also reduced an over-dependency on one brilliant footballer. Add that up and you get... Emiliano Buendia, Leon Bailey and Danny Ings. They truly are the future. If we try to play like the Yankees in here, we will lose to the Yankees out there. I don't know what that means. The Peter Henkelman What the Fuck Award. I've got four nominations, two players. <laughs> First one, Emmy Martinez coming out. That decision to come out on Mason Mount made it too late. Like the difference of Mendy making those decisions twice when we thought Watkins was through and Mendy was decisive. He was off his line. He was already going before the pass was even made. Martinez reacts. He re- in fairness, he reacts to the ball over the top. I think Ramsey and Target getting mixed up but who should be following Mount. Villa have that little diagonal that goes from fullback to midfielder to number 10 that's sort of blocking the, the blocking people making inroads on their defence. They have that on both sides of the Christmas tree. Um, and they just both of them leave Mount to the other. Mount gets in behind too easily. It's just a simple ball over the top. And then Martinez makes it a bigger chance than it is because there's enough Villa players back. And uh, Mount just takes it around him and it's a shit shot from him. He completely <laughs> freaks out even though he's got all the time in the world to take another touch and whip it in. But he, he tries to tries to go for the near post and pulls it wide. Yeah. I mean, first thing to say there, 
Ramsey and Target, I mean, I hope they are listening to this because they, they need to learn. If there is a mix-up and neither of these are sure about which one goes, then both go. Both you both yeah. fucking run back and cover that fucking space. And you're right, Martinez does not need to come to the corner of his box ever. Never mind to close down a centre midfielder that has three defenders closing down his space anyway. I mean, that's not impending danger. You know, mind controls that ball there. He's not just putting it into the net. You don't need to come out there, Martinez, because now he's fucking putting it in the net. If only he didn't completely hook the ball. But the winner of the Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award is Matt Target, although I suppose he was nominated for that there in the end. <laughs> he's, getting, <laughs> he's getting three further nominations for his role, his involvement, or lack of, in the Lukaku penalty win when he went through and won the, the penalty at the end for 3-1 now all we have to do is pick out which one was the biggest what the fuck award. So, <laughs> I've got three parts of this move the ball goes over the top target is is favoured for this ball even if the Kaku's faster even if he's stronger the first nomination is Target just moving out of the way to guide Lukaku through. I'm like, you know, sorry, am I am I in your space? You know, go ahead there, sir. Uh, you know, instead of just, he should have gotten there anyway. He, he had enough time and space, regardless of the the speed difference. He would have gotten there, but he didn't commit to it. And then he didn't commit to just staying in front of him, obstruct him, foil him, whatever. Second nomination is when he should definitely foil him then, but he tugs his shoulder to see if Lukaku wants to go down for a free. <laughs> Lukaku says, now nah, you're out, mate, I'll just keep going. That's the second nomination, pathetic attempt at a foul. And the third, the third, when he just decides to fall on his face and leave it for Kanza. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just give up here and fall over with nobody near me. Like, there was nothing. Lukaku was gone, and Target can no longer continue to run. And falls down and says, "Best of luck, Ezra. I hope you hope you sort this out again." Uh, Which one was the worst? Definitely one of the last two. I mean, the visual of him lying face down on the ground would ordinarily one for a normal footballer, but we've seen that so often. We've seen him just lying there forlornly looking, with only his eyes visible to the camera as the rest, the lower half of his face, is planted in the mud. But I just think that. The politely tapping him on the shoulder and saying, do you want the free kick or do you want to just keep going through and goals up? Do you, mate? I'm, I'm not really pushed either way. I'm going to go yeah. for a nap now in a second anyway. So <laughs> whichever you prefer. Like, I, I know Lukaku is infinitely more powerful than him, but Target has a distinct advantage. Lukaku is playing football and Target can now, if he wants, play rugby against someone yeah. that is playing football. I mean, Lukaku is trying to control an eight and a half inch piece of inflated leather with his feet. And Target is trying to grab a six foot three inch human with his hands. All he has to do is grab him anywhere, ankle tap him, get him around the thighs, whatever you want. The punishment's the same. Get up on his back, ride him down the wing like a fucking horse. It doesn't matter. It's a yellow card and a free kick. Do something. Just don't go for a fucking snooze. <laughs> I think that tops it. I think number two is the winner. Like just the, the inability to foul him when you're right, he could have foul him any way he wanted. And I think that's the one that annoyed Kanza so much. You know, you could see Kanza smacking the ground shouting, fuck's sake, Matt. And it's obviously like 
I've had to foil him in the box now because you didn't foil him outside the box when you had the chance. You were in front of him, then you were just beside the side, then you were behind him. Each time you had a chance to foil him and you, each time he chose not to. And it's not that he, he couldn't, that he didn't. He chose not to do that. That can be the only explanation. Too, too pure a player is my target. <laughs> didn't, didn't want the minus one for the yellow card on fantasy football maybe he has himself and his team you know, don't forget my target was one of the players who alerted us to Jack Grudis' injury last year when he took him out of his fantasy team and that was, that was how all the rumours started then Jesus uh, Christ yeah. the Ronnie Rossenthal award few nominations here for Villa not not mad clean ones this was the biggest one you know to be honest but it didn't lead to a big chance but it should have when Dia played a lovely first time ball to Watkins remember Watkins went down the left of the mm. box and all he has to do is play it in Ings is there it would have been a tap in for Ings and ah it's a bad ball from Watkins he completely ah, he sent of his left foot but he pulls it back instead of just rolling it across straight, straight in front of Ings and he, he hits the first defender if it gets a corner but that should be a goal just put it in front of Ings and like the one that Watkins loves him in position, put it there, and he balls it up. Yeah, like it's the perfect pattern. It's our number ten playing the perfect free ball inside the fullback to our wide player for the pullback. And you're right, he has to he has to execute that. I mean, that's just he's probably done that a thousand times in training. It's so simple. He hits it with his ankle and hits off. I think it's Chalaba's ankle, but it's it's so silly. Roll that across, give Ings a chance to turn back around and go into the man again and, you know, have a shot against their ankles. <laughs> See if Ings can pick out Sanson and get the, get the play going again. <laughs> reset, reset Ings. <laughs> Recycle. <laughs> uh, shout out for Douglas Louise. It's outside of the bit. Pinger in front of Watkins. What a pass that was. Like, like That should not go under the radar. Like Beautiful stuff. Like The, the connection for that must have felt... So good. Tried it again. It's actually, you know what? The second time it did work as well. Watkins just sort of got his feet messed up. And in fairness, it was a, it gave him a tighter pop ball down the sideline the second time. It wasn't needed at that stage. But the first one put Watkins through. Well, it was one-on-one with a defender and he, he tries to cut, he gets blocked. Um, you, We can talk about that in a second if you want. And then Sanson also played a nice ball through to Watkins, but Mandy got out to, to cut it out as well. Yeah, and the Dougie pass is absolutely ridiculous. It's incredible, and it came, comes out of nothing. And it's absolutely... If anyone doesn't think that's deliberate, they're a fool. They've never seen Douglas Louise play. You could see him look up and try it, because only he would try that from the edge of his own box. And he should have... Watkins should have taken it onto his left. He should have taken it on his weaker foot. It's the stronger chance on his weaker foot. And it's decent defending. But yeah, it was incredible from Dougie. Sanson, Mendy does well to get out quickly, but Watkins should probably give up on the pass and focus on Mendy's clearance. He should see that Mendy's got the obvious advantage because the ball's going towards him and probably just focus on blocking the clearance because Mendy is doing nothing else with that ball except put his foot through. Yeah. To be fair, though, at first glance, I was like, Watkins pulled out of that. Watkins could have got that. But, um, yeah, I was completely wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The, there wasn't any real big chances, to be honest. That, that first one is the winner, I think. The only other ones is the two cutbacks from Ings, who Cash plays him through initially. Cash came cutting in from right back, and he does a little ball from right to left to Ings. He put him through, and he tries to get back on his right, gets blocked, and Watkins plays a lovely first-time ball for Ings, and he tries to cut back outside, and he doesn't even get the shot away this time because he spent so long coming back. And the final nomination is... In that same move, the one that Cash played things, remember Ings got blocked down, mm. comes back out, target gets it, 
he plays at the cashy days of the box. And we're all just sitting there thinking, take a shot. Cash, you've been loving this all season. Like, you know, you've been in the humble shit, but he takes the heaviest touch. Not even the heaviest touch, just there wasn't time for a touch. And he took the touch and it got blocked. It was just, oh, that summed up the. I don't know if that sums up the difference between Villa and Chelsea, but Chelsea were just way more comfortable at blocking out their box than Villa could get through. Yeah, the cash one's actually incredible where he comes bursting through the middle of the pitch and goes past about three Chelsea players just because yeah. it's so unexpected and he's running diagonally across the pitch and it's a really good ball to Ings who again should have taken it to his weaker foot because it's the stronger chance and it comes back to cash, he's got so many options because the ball back to him is good he should probably open his body and fade it across with the inside of his foot but he doesn't, think it's such a pointless touch when are footballers going to, I remember saying this at the start of the season just take the shot first time. It catches the keeper out so often as well. Obviously, yeah. it's not always on. But taking a touch isn't necessarily the better thing. Sometimes the ball back to you is perfect. Just shoot. It's grand. And the only other big chance that I can remember was whenever Mason Mount, you know, as the commentators told oh, us, yeah. <laughs> he steps inside. The commentator says, as soon as he steps inside, he's looking for that top corner. Fucking wise up. Your hero has overhead across. You're not on radio commentary. We're all watching the same game that you're commentating on. You can't trick us. We just saw what happened. We're, we're on to you here. We know what's happened. Yeah. It's it's like when Emil Smith Rowe or you know James Madison, one of those boys, hits a shot that's going 15 yards wide and deflects in the bottom corner, like wrong foot's the keeper, and nobody <laughs> mentions it. No, no, nobody will say that. Ah, oh, yeah, actually, he got really lucky there. They might eventually say, gets a bit of fortune, but you know, <laughs> he's taking it on. He's taking the shot on. He deserves it. <laughs> yeah, he's arrived at the right place at the right time to spank that against the defender's thigh and loop it up over the keeper. Yeah. Tim Sherwood, we played two number tens and bamboozled them. I'd only have one nomination, but it's how Steven Gerrard and his team have gotten. The best, I think, out of Villa's fullbacks in terms of a system. Um, I think Dean Smith was trying this with a. I think he was also trying to get the best out of Ings and Watkins, but yeah, he was trying to do it with his wingbacks at a stage. And I think without playing wingbacks, without playing three at the back, Stephen Gerrard has found a way of bringing Matt Cash and Matt Target so prominently into a game. And that's, I think, that's creating a lot of space for Villa up top. Like Villa are way tighter than they have been like the stats will back that up as well but the eye test you know is it's obvious but the fact that they're able to be so much tighter but still have a few more options then going forward because they are getting the most out of these boys and uh, there's a few people worried about what that's doing to Jacob Ramsey or Sanson and McGinn who are at both sides of midfield but I, I don't think it's affecting them you know you can say that they're further back for some of the plays these boys have been brilliant for Villa as well so it's actually all working out Cash has been better McGinn has been fucking amazing. Ramsey has been class. Target and Young, I think, have been good as well for the for for the most part. It's hard to say. It's hard to actually get those words out now when I'm thinking about that Lukaku incident with Matt Target. <laughs> but, but but he created that goal today. I'm going to do that commentator thing now. Like he got into the space and he, he got the crossing and and got the luck that he deserved for the goal. But I think the way that yeah. we've maximized all those options that we have is a good thing and probably deserves mentioning. Yeah, like just to touch on target again, our goal and Chelsea's third came from target being shit. So, you know, you can't take that away from him. 
But uh, this getting target and cash into the game, it's absolutely to do with getting John McGinn out of centre midfield. If anyone's worried about the defensive work they have that him and Ramsey have to do, then don't be worried about it. Because they've shown in every game since that they've absolutely got the stamina to fulfil that role. There was no doubt in the world that John McGinn's best position was was to play as a wide eight in the midfield mm. three. And it was absolutely baffling that Smith just kept refusing to play that because he had a and a fetish for number 10s. He just couldn't get yeah. away from number 10. He was playing Ross Barkley at number 10 and forcing John McGinn to play number 6. That's how much he liked number 10s. It was absolutely insane stuff. Yeah. And Jacob Ramsey and John McGinn are now our two best players because they're playing in their best positions and they're absolutely more talented than most other midfielders in and around Villa's level. And they're dominating games because of the system that Villa can now play. You like Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award? There must be a delay in Stephen Gerrard's stream because 74 minutes to make a change. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, was he losing signal or was Gary McAllister just turning him off, fed up listening to him in his ear? But it was one of those ones where, you know, that's, that's how long, half an hour after the break. If anybody thought that things were going well enough to not make a change, like in that second half, I mean, like that that's worrying because like it was going so badly that they should have intervened a lot quicker. It was so obvious and like it was one of those ones we've mentioned it was Smith before, so we might as well be consistent. It it was clear that we were going to concede a goal the way we were going. Um and we needed to to intervene in some way and we and we didn't. I know it's harder when obviously you're not in the stadium and you're not able to be in the changing rooms at halftime and be able to shout and actually physically move people on the pitch during the play, but um, Jesus, they, they needed to inject a bit of, I don't even know a bit of life, but just something different, fresh legs, um, and they, they didn't do it until 74 minutes and 2-1 down. Yeah, not only did they need to do it, what they needed to do was so obvious as well, I mean they made all the right subs, but it's madness that the three stayed on for as long as they did, and Sanson even got an extra three minutes compared to the other two I mean, we yeah. talked we talked about it already Ings should have been hooked at half time because because of the system and because of Ings' performance. And we've gone over that in the Rossendale Award as well. And mm. five minutes into the second half, Sanson was so clearly fucked, I nearly started yeah. feeling sorry for him. I mean, I don't want to be <laughs> feeling sorry for our centre midfielders. I mean, that's just not a position any fan should be in. And then about 10 minutes into the second half, Buendia started doing his impression of a porcelain ballerina spinning on top of a musical jewellery box. And I, I don't think that Bertie, Chuck or El Ghazi were any good individually when they came on, but it did help change the dynamic of the game. The shape of the team was much better and we were better able to get at Chelsea. Obviously, the fresh legs helped as well and the other three just absolutely had to come off and I would say they all could have been off by the 60th minute. Yeah. Only our nomination and the winner because I don't want to see it again. Matt Cash coming over to the left for a long throw. It was actually a good throw in the 90th minute. But once more, Matt Cash is wasting his team's own time. And he wastes 40 seconds this time to dry the ball and get ready to throw the balls. Injury time, four minutes are added on, which is, we've actually been shortchanged because the amount of time wasting Chelsea we're doing, once again, it's a great advertisement for time wasting for everybody out there. Any young player looking to know how to play football at the top, Watch, watch, watch Chelsea! Watch Chelsea and watch Villa when they're in the lead, and how they can eat into the clock. Uh, the time doesn't get added on injury time. 
they're like at four minutes. Matt Cash makes that three minutes because he's winding up a long throw, which ends up being a really good long throw. But do you know what? We get four minutes. I'm saying we wasted 40 of our own seconds. And then Chelsea also scored in that time. Got a penalty, scored. And we didn't, we got, I think, three more seconds added on to that four minutes in the end. So we didn't even get the, the 30 seconds for a goal or anything like that. So it's total bollocks but you know it didn't matter we weren't going to score we were two goals down at that stage but Matt Cash needs to stop good throw all for that let's keep that going because we were doubting how long he could actually throw the ball um <laughs> but just throw it a bit quicker please yeah and the weirdest thing is like we were all doubting how long he could actually throw the ball it doesn't seem like any of the players were because they were all standing <laughs> at the fucking back post they apparently think that he can kick this as far as I can kick it out of my hands like, absolutely insane. So what are you standing over there? It was just Mings again. Okay, some of them are looking for the flick on. But why are all of them looking for the flick on? They're not expecting Tyrone Mings to get a flick on against six Chelsea players. But this ball is going nowhere else. So Chelsea are under absolutely no illusions what they have to do. Win the ball against Tyrone Mings and the ball is gone. That's all they have to do. And I'm glad to see that Matt Cash has at least been practicing his distance on his throw. But he has to start practicing it now when it's wet because yeah. this drying bullshit is absolute nonsense get your thumbs behind the ball get a good grip on it and fucking throw the ball you don't need to dry the ball practice throwing it wet it's not going to slip out of your hands release it out of your hands whenever you're throwing it come on Matt <laughs> fucking throw the ball mate. <laughs> alright the Vimin meter going up You've mentioned him. I don't know if you thought he was going to go up and I'm going to bring in Morgan Sanson here. I think he absolutely did just blow a gasket in the second half. And I did feel sorry for him. And I am going to excuse him because he's been out for so long. I think he was pretty good in that first half. I thought his defensive work was brilliant. He's fast. He, I, think he, I think he tackled the ball cleanly back off a Chelsea player. Like dispossessed him so cleanly uh, when they were in possession um, four times in that first half. Uh, yeah, he was sharp across the ground. I think he just... He just ran out of steam. There was a couple of times where he had that that Jacob Ramsey style burst up the pitch as well, where I where I liked I liked the look of it. Um, I think I think there's a player in there somewhere. We just haven't got to see it enough yet. So I'm going to move him up the Weimar meter, if for nothing else, to encourage him. <laughs> Again, though, with Morgan Sanson, and I feel like you've done this a few times. You're excited about the player that you can see he might become. Mm. He's not actually doing very much in the game other than giving you flashes of thinking Jesus Morgan Sanson might be good one day and then you're assuming he played well that day like he didn't play well yesterday he was he was fine he didn't really do anything on the ball he shuffled back like the rest of the team and covered off space which is good to know that he can do that but he's a sentiment fielder of course he can fucking do that he's he's 28 he's not a fucking moron he can do he can do that he can block off space that's good that's encouraging on the ball you want to see a lot more from him during the 45 minutes where he was able to run. One time, uh, I think this particularly annoyed you, but it was great feat from him. He burrowed his way through two Chelsea players. Canty might have been one of them. Opened up the game. He was on the right-hand side. He gets inside two of them. And then fucking pings it back to Kanza. I was like, what was the point of that? You could have just pinged it back anyway, but he beat two players. and like that. That's not a Morgan Sanson thing. That was emblematic sometimes of... Villa in that second half or most of the time of Villa in that second half like just not making that brave decision or aggressive decision um, and just yeah getting back out of trouble and if you do that too often 
then the time eats away. Like I said at the top of the show, it just goes like a flash and the game's over and you've lost. Yeah, I mean, it is undoubtedly the most frustrating thing that happens in a football match from my perspective. I mean, breaking the line is the most difficult thing you can do, especially if Candy's on the team. Like getting through that, that first press, that first line of the Chelsea midfield is really fucking difficult. They're playing Jorginho and Kante there, two defensive midfielders, and then they're playing two defenders either side of them. Getting through, that's fucking tough. Don't waste it. You've gotten through it. You've got three defenders. You've got three Villa players. What the fuck is Konza on the ball for now? How has that happened? Like, lose the ball. Try try to play it through to one of the forwards who you don't think is an option anymore. Tr- just try running with it a bit longer until that option becomes available. Don't just give it back to Konza because now he has to try and get it back to you. What a waste of fucking time. And if he gets it back to you, what are you going to give it back to him again? Fucking you've yeah. broken the line. This is the whole objective of what you were trying to do. Now do something with the fucking ball. Going up, Ezri Konza, I know he gives it a penalty, but he's just fucking brilliant. Like he's 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 monumentally brilliant. <laughs> like, you know, he's he's so imperious back there, he's class, everything he does, it, it he does it with such ease now, you're not even surprised anymore. And um going up as well, Emmy Martin is just because <laughs> Yeah, like I know we're we're talking about his decision to dive early and his mind games didn't work for the penalty this time. He got a yellow card for his trouble. But I, I still like that. I saw a lot of non-Villa fans tweeting, giving out. Like, see, his mind games didn't work today. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> it's just so good. It's so good to have a player like this in the team that nobody wants to miss a penalty against. Like, like That's given him such an advantage every time. He made a couple of great saves. Lovely passing a lot of the time um, out to the fullbacks. I can't get before I was giving out about Martin is floating the ball out to our fullbacks' heads. This time he's just pinging it to their feet and their chest now. He's, he's gotten a lot tidier off both feet with that. Um, yeah, I, I, probably it's mostly because of the whole shithousing thing. He got that Mason Mount cross turned over as well. The one that uh, the one that the commentators were raving about to hit the bar and went over. It was a cross. They said it was a shot. Mm. Uh, they initially gave a corner. Martinez was giving out stink about it. Got the goal kick. Um, ah, he's, just, he's bringing water to every game and I am here for it. <laughs> yeah, 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 he was absolutely brilliant. I mean, the Hudson Adoy save that probably should have been a, a Rosenthal nomination. I mean, for someone the size of Emmy to be moving in the opposite direction and to drop himself yeah. so quickly is incredible. But Emmy is incredible. So, unfortunately for him, we're not particularly surprised whenever he does something <laughs> like that. And for that chance, actually, this just reminds me. You know, I mean, Doggy has to clean the man at the edge of the box. I'm not sure who it is that flicks it around the corner to Hudson Adoy, and I don't particularly care. Whoever it is, Doggy shouldn't be shimmying past his arse like a flamingo dancer before popping his hand out to spin them back in. I mean, you're you're two months early for Carnival here, Doggy. I don't know <laughs> if he thought the player was in the box or if he's if he's confused about what the D is for at the edge of the box. But someone needs to tell him that it's only relationship of penalties is keeping people 10 metres back. And he, he's given away enough penalties to have noticed that afterwards, that people are strung out around the D. Take the man out, Dougie. It's not worth it if the alternative is a player eight yards out with a free shot at goal. Have a bit of fucking noise there. <laughs> yeah, that was a really weird one. It's one of those ones you see the replay back and it's like, why is he... Why is he horizontal? What has happened there? Like, why is he crawling <laughs> around the floor? My target stuff, that's the worst I can say about Dougie Zoe there. God, I really hope Dougie's not listening to this or he'll be heartbroken that we're calling him for that target. 
No, all we've done now is assured that somebody's going to put out a, a list of stats of Douglas Louise to show he was brilliant. I know Douglas Louise was good yesterday, don't worry. <laughs> um, going up, leads COVID cases, and thank Christ, our game, <laughs> our game is called off now on Tuesday, and I don't think we would have been able for it. Like it's just the boys did. Like that's the only thing to take into consideration. Like yeah, yeah. wasn't good in the second half. We don't know who was stricken down the full extent of it all. We didn't have Young or McGinn, two big losses, to be honest. Young would have played mm. in that game, definitely. Um, don't know what the effects were on everybody else. Don't know what the effects were in training. So happy the Villa aren't playing now until January. Just get into your bubbles, get ready, get fit again. And uh, yeah, thank God that game's not like that. That could have been a disaster away to Leeds two days later. Like that, that, that was bad anyway. You haven't they played two days after, especially mm. if everybody else getting breaks, but doing it. Off the back of COVID uh, cases, would have been, oh, it could have been another. Uh, look, I don't even want to think about it. I'm getting worried thinking about it now. <laughs> yeah, off the back of COVID cases and off the back of a game like that. I mean, they were, it wasn't just Sanson that was gassed. Even whenever Villa were trying to get back in the game, there was a couple of moments where I got excited because JJ got the ball and you could see he didn't have it in his legs anymore and he was he was passing the ball slightly earlier than he should have been instead of just bursting, like, you know, and causing that imbalance. And like if Jacob Ramsey was running out of steam, God, we were in trouble, Cameron. <laughs> Going down, uh, Matt Cash, Matt Targets. Don't think there are any big surprises. Um, anybody else you want to add to that list? I'm happy enough to leave it at that. Well, Danny Ings maybe, but he, he hasn't really been up yet in the meter, so I don't know if he, if he could be going down. Danny Ings was bad. If, if if he has to be on the meter initially to go down, then he's he's got a lucky escape because he would easily be going down. Anybody else with that performance would be plummeting. Yeah. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Is Pep Guardiola starting again already saying he doesn't have enough money? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's saying that, but here's his quote. Pep Guardiola on Man City's attack. We cannot attack quicker. We aren't Liverpool. They are the masters of that. We are not. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, Pep, I think, laying the ground for some January spending. Like, you know, if you want me to win the Champions League, you're going to have to help me out here, boys, at the top. Jesus Christ. I mean, like, to be fair to me, is right. They can't do it as well as Liverpool, but they don't have to be the best team. Well, exactly. They don't have to be the best team in the world at playing quickly and with intensity in order to play quickly and with intensity. And they don't need to be at Liverpool's level of playing quickly and with intensity to beat Norwich, Watford, Newcastle and Watford in a slightly more exciting fashion for the rest of us fucking morons tuning in to Man City against those no-hoopers. And like, Guardiola is correct in implying that Salah and Manny are likely better at it than any of the players at his disposal. But they're better at it than every player. It doesn't fucking matter. The idea that Mares, who led a 5,000 to 1 title charge playing counter-attacking, kick-and-rush football, couldn't play faster than walking pace is not true. Like, the idea that Sterling, who played for an electric Liverpool side, like Grealish, who kept Villa up and had them pushing for Europe by playing quickly whenever possible, couldn't do anything but recycle the ball back to fullbacks ad nauseum, is not true. Man City play with two converted wingers in centre midfield. They can play faster. The problem is they have a manager who is riddled with fear and weighed down by his own obsessive nature and just need for control the quicker you move the ball the more likely you are to lose it and Pep Gorilla does not want to lose the ball like Man City 
have a manager who's afraid of losing the ball and losing control. And maybe it's because he's lost his hair at a young age. I don't know, Conan, but it's definitely not the case that Man City can't play quicker. <laughs> it is funny that, like, you know, no matter how many goals they score, no matter how many records they break, how much that we all just have to admit that Man City are brilliant and Pep is obviously a class manager. He, he doesn't. He, he doesn't accept that they're just way better than other teams. It doesn't. It doesn't bring any confidence or any element of comfort to his life. That like this is fine. Actually, if if a complete disaster doesn't happen here, statistically, we will always beat these teams comfortably. I should just relax. I've done everything I can. I've put in the work. He, he doesn't do it. He refuses to relinquish any control, let go of the leash in any way. Everybody is chained. It's it works brilliantly. It's so effective, but it's that mentality that somehow, even though they piss, they piss through the league. Thirty eight games, they just keep winning. That's nine in a row for them now. He'll 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 intervene somewhere and boss it up. He'll he'll like not to not to annoy you with this phrase. He'll overthink it, but if he will. He'll he'll just disrupt this natural flow like that this. And he just won't accept that they have the best team. Like, and he'll, he'll do something that'll balls it all up yet again somewhere along the way when he shouldn't. He should just, like, if he would just relax. If he had a relax, they would have won a Champions League by now. So this is the theme of the podcast. Just relax and enjoy your team. You built a good one. <laughs> yeah, and, like, and all his players are so well coached, over coached, well prepared for the game. And he can't fucking sit down during it either. I mean, they're not doing anything differently. Why are you standing up, waving your arms around? They know what they're supposed to do. They do it every fucking game, yeah. Pep. I'm sick of watching it. <laughs> Sit down. Yeah, and that's it. That's probably it for the year. Thanks a million for all your support. If you do want to subscribe, please do. I'm on any app. We're out we're there on all of them. All the, all the good ones, Spotify. Don't need to go through them all. You know where you get podcasts. They're there somewhere, the Villa podcast. Uh, please subscribe please share it on as well if you get a chance and uh, please just relax and enjoy your Christmas <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you on the 2nd of January in 2022 a bright new year all the best see you then that wind is calling my name and I won't wait or I'll never get on planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.